0: This is the Blue Million Miles, I'm Connor Town-O'Neill. Like all the best swims do, my first this year came spur-of-the-moment. This was a few months back, late March, after one of those Zoom calls. If you've ever been on a Zoom call, then you know the kind I'm talking about. The rare experience that might justify the use of a word, like enervating. Anyway, after I hung up, I realized there was this window of time before I had to go pick up my daughter. Typically, when that happens, I feel it by crawling under my desk and groaning. You might hear that. And think that I must have been in a bad place. I'm not sure I would say that though. I wouldn't say I was much of anywhere really, not fully oriented to time and space. Maybe you felt something like that lately, an uncanniness, like the latency of the video call was carrying over off screen. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's that I work in a basement office with no windows, and I've been sitting there for months trying mostly failing, to track down sources for a story, hearing every variety of, this phone is no longer in service. Which, by the way, there are way more variations of that than I'd imagined or ever really thought possible. Maybe it's that the past two years have taken a toll on me that I haven't really admitted to yet, haven't worked through, and I haven't slept or written much lately, leaving my sense-making faculties at an all-time low. So, okay. Okay. Maybe it is just me. Maybe. But also, maybe not. Doesn't something just seem off? Don't people seem quicker to anger? Or else to retreat to their windowless basement offices? The number you have dialed is no longer in service. Which, I mean, go figure. You don't need to be an armchair psychologist to try and account for the bad vibes, as it were. The strangeness of the moment one of illness, neglect, death, insurrection, war, despair, collapse, isolation. And it's like the weight of all that. It exerts a gravity, creates its own tide, and we're caught in it, headed out to sea. I feel that, anyway. But so that day, after the video call, for whatever blessed reason, instead of my usual brooding and drifting, I thought to go swimming instead. There's a state park on the outskirts of Auburn, Alabama, where I live. Thanks to the work of the Civilian Conservation Corps, that park has a lake. That lake has a roped-off section for swimming. And that afternoon, I had the place to myself. I walked through the shallows until the water came to mid-thigh. Then I plunged, dolphin-kicking, for as long as my breath would hold. I surfaced out by the rope. This was March, but, you know, Alabama March. The water was already bathwater warm in parts, still bracing cold in others. I paddled an easy, aimless breaststroke for a time, admired the scrim of pollen on the water's surface, watched the clouds above glide into the tree line. I climbed onto the concrete jetty just to be able to dive into the water again. I couldn't tell you how long I was out there. Time had escaped me, but for once, it was welcome. Two years ago, while I was waiting for Ozzie to be born—Ozzie, that's my daughter's name—I sat down to write her a letter. Or, if not a letter exactly, just—I wanted to set down on paper what I knew about life. Epiphanies, insights I'd gleaned, some fatherly advice. I had one pearl of wisdom off the top of my head. Once, while we were having dessert together, my father looked at me from across a picnic table and observed that I had come to know one of the deep truths of the universe— that you should always let your Klondike bar melt a bit before eating. So I wrote that down. Let the Klondike bar melt a little. Got it. Okay, but what else? Hmm. I bit my knuckle. Doodled. Did I really have nothing else to impart? I had to stand and pace the room in order to beat back the antsiness that turned to panic, that turned to dread about the person I'd become, the life I'd squandered how unqualified I was to be responsible for another's life, a young, innocent child who may not even like Klondike bars. Then, with forehead-slapping clarity, it came to me. I sat back down and wrote this sentence. You should swim whenever the opportunity presents itself, and you should live in such a way that you're creating those opportunities with regularity. And that's it. I'm looking at the page in my diary right now, and that's all I wrote down. Let the Klondike bar melt and swim whenever possible. And you know what? Looking back, I stand by it. Do you know that Loudon Wainwright tune, the swimming song? This summer I went swimming, it goes. This summer I might have drowned, but I held my breath and I kicked my feet and I moved my arms around. I love that song. Find yourself in deep water and there's nothing to do but swim. You're weightless, buoyant, like you're on another planet, or back where you were when you first came into this one. That afternoon, back in March, when I finally clambered out onto the bank, I was goose-pimpled and humming, glad I'd taken my own advice for once, and so it was with soggy shorts and an idiot grin I hadn't worn in some months that I went to pick up my daughter from daycare. There's a book by the environmental writer Roger Deacon called Waterlog, a swimmer's journey through Britain published in 1999. The book chronicles a series of swims in the rivers, ponds, pools, and seas throughout the country with digressions into memoir, natural and cultural history for Deacon swimming or wild swimming. That's what they call it there. Say what you will about the English. They know how to turn a phrase anyway, wild swimming. It was a subversive activity. One that allowed you to regain a sense of what is old and wild by getting off the beaten track and breaking free of the official versions of things. It affords a frog's eye view of the world, as Deacon put it. If you're in search of something, wild swimming's not a bad way to go looking for it. About a decade after Waterlog was first published, Joe Minahan, a freelance writer in London, retraced Deacon's steps, revisiting the swimming holes documented in Waterlog. Those trips became the basis for Minahan's own book, Floating, A Life Regained. As the subtitle might suggest, wild swimming became a balm for Minahan's anxieties about work and life. No surprise, maybe, that I related to Minahan, saw my anxieties about how to work, how to write, how to move through the world, reflected in his own. Did I see the spine of Minahan's book on my shelf that afternoon when I knocked off early and hit the lake? Not consciously. Not consciously. But the mind is funny like that. I mentioned those two swimmers, those two books, because this summer I'm going to take my own advice and follow in Deacon's and Minahan's footsteps. Er, breaststrokes, I guess. I'm going to swim through Alabama, seeking out the best swimming holes the state has to offer, Appalachian foothills to Mobile Bay. I'm going to hold my breath, kick my feet, move my arms around, and I'll chronicle those trips here. I should say, I'm not a southerner by birth. I don't carry the weight of that particular circumstance. But this summer starts my 10th year living here, the longest I've lived anywhere. I love it here and I hate it too. For better or worse, the place has had a profound impact on me, my work, my understanding of my place in this country. I apprenticed as a writer here, wrote my first book here, a book about this state and its tortured past. I fell in love here, got married here, became a father here, I'm raising a child here. So, I keep asking myself, where am I? What's it like to be here, now? Is there still a there, there? What's become of this place? What's it becoming? I don't want to retreat from life back to the windowless basement. I want to get back out in it. A meander through its waterways seems as good a way to do it as any. If you've spent any time in Alabama, it might seem self-evident that someone would want to seek out its best swimming holes. If you haven't spent much time in Alabama, the notion that you'd want to do much of anything here might seem strange. But despite its national reputation as a shit town, a backwater, Alabama is also a place of staggering beauty. One of the most biodiverse places in the country, and it's full of choice swim spots. Or, you know the ones that haven't been ravaged by chicken plant runoff and coal ash. So, I'm off to go see what I can see, swim where I can swim, and you can follow along here every other Monday. Great, it's great, uh, I'm just getting some ambient sound so that p- the paddling is nice. Oh, quiet. That's alright, it's editable.